Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. And what extreme ownership causes you to have is a false sense of security. And another thing that extreme ownership causes you to have is an increased anxiety. I love this verse from Ecclesiastes, chapter five, verse 12. The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. In other words, you can have so much stuff that you're just worrying about it. And it pushes you to the brink of not even being able to sleep. It pushes you to the brink of struggling to function through life. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. In psychology, there's a concept known as a keystone habit. A keystone habit is a habitual behavior which influences numerous areas of our life without being directly connected to them. For example, studies have shown that if you exercise regularly, you will spend less money. If you make your bed in the morning, you will have a more productive day. Why is that? Because those behaviors are keystone habits. What is the greatest keystone habit that is sure to improve every area of our life? Well, the answer is not a what, it's a who. The who is Jesus. If we make it a habit to have Jesus in our lives, he will influence every area of our life for the better. He is the ultimate keystone habit. In the series, Jesus And, we will be exploring how Jesus can influence different areas of our lives. We will tackle topics like Jesus in our possessions, Jesus in our generosity, Jesus in our voting, Jesus and our church, Jesus and our government. We hope this series encourages you to experience the change that Jesus wants to make in your life. Today we are starting a new sermon series and we're calling it Jesus and, and we're going to talk about Jesus, how we need to have Jesus a part of all the areas of our lives. <clears throat> in his book, Charles Duhigg wrote, um, the power of habit. He talks about a concept known as keystone habits. And a keystone habit is essentially a behavior that you have uh, in your life that is done repeatedly, which impacts other areas of your life that seemingly would have nothing to do with that behavior that you are continually repeating. And so for example, there, here are some keystone habits that we have in our lives. If you exercise at least three times a week, that is going to affect the way you manage your money. Now, I know you don't realize that and you may not know exactly how to connect the dots and frankly, I don't, but exercise is such a keystone habit that it actually affects the way that we manage our money. If you sleep at least seven hours a night, it will affect the way that you talk to people, the way that you interact with people, your approach to people. Now, how exactly are those two things connected? I'm not precisely sure. Most people aren't even precisely sure, but that's the deal with the keystone habit. If you make your bed in the morning, as one of the first things that you do, you will have a more productive day. Why are those two, why does it impact the rest of your day? We aren't exactly sure, but it just does. Cleaning your room. If you clean your room uh, periodically and keep it in good order, you will experience less anxiety. If you pray, then you will experience more peace. Prayer is a keystone habit that affects your emotions. If you donate money to a charity, that that will actually cause you to be less possessive of the things that you have. That will actually affect the way that you uh, view money, your perspective on money. Eating dinner with your family. Studies have shown that if you eat dinner with your family, your children, at least five times a week, 
then those children are more confident, more likely to graduate high school, more likely to graduate college. They are going to earn significantly more money as they grow older, and they themselves are, going, are less likely to get a divorce down the road. And so these are keystone habits. And there's a thing that I call an apex keystone habit. It's a thing that when it's present in your life, that it will overrule everything else in your life, influence everything in your life, all for the good. An apex is something that is ultimate in whatever environment it is in. And so maybe you've heard of apex predators. And so a killer whale is an apex predator. There is no natural uh, enemy of a killer whale in the ocean. Uh, The killer whale is the ultimate predator in the water. And so what is the apex keystone habit that trumps them all, no pun intended? That is Jesus. And when we make Jesus the center of our lives, when everything that we have revolves around our lives, then things just seem to hold together a little bit better. The key verse that we are going to look at through this sermon series, that we are going to review every week in this sermon series is in Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 and 17 and it's this verse that has inspired this series and this is what he the apostle Paul wrote there for in him Jesus all things were created things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities all things have been created through him and for him and so when you live for him then all the things as we're going to see here hold together Because he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And so maybe you're wondering why your marriage is falling apart. And maybe you're wondering why your career is crumbling. And you're wondering why your finances are a mess. And you're wondering why your relationship with your children is so broken. Maybe you need this apex habit, keystone habit to be more present in your life. And that apex habit isn't a thing, it's not an it, it's a person. And that person is Jesus. And when Jesus is a center of your life and you are living for him, then all these other things hold together because he is holding them together. And so what are some of the things that we're going to talk about that Jesus needs to influence in our lives, that we need to continually allow him to be the apex keystone habit in those particular areas of our life? Well, this week we're going to talk about our stuff because we own stuff, but sometimes our stuff can own us. Next week we're going to talk about generosity because we feel like being generous is a really important thing because God loved us so much. What did he do? He gave. We want to talk about Jesus and his church because we want to be the church that God is calling us to be. We want to be all that God is calling us to be. Not just because of what it is that we want to see, our, see that we can do and what God can do through us, but because we love God and God loves us. And we want to know how it is that our church can be when Jesus is that apex keystone habit of our church. That Jesus in the government, because Lord knows we don't know exactly what to make of the government. And we want Jesus to be, like how should we view government when Jesus is the Lord and the master of our lives? Jesus in our voting. I mean, wow, how are we going to vote? We got some big, we got some big decisions to make. Maybe you've already made them, but is Jesus a part of those decisions? What does it look like to be, for Jesus to be a part of our voting? How would he influence all of these different areas of our life when Jesus is the center of them, when Jesus is our platform? Now, again, today, what we're going to talk about is our stuff. And, And where do we get this idea of stuff? Well, In biblical times, as well in our time, stuff is something that we spend a lot of time thinking about. Jesus said these words in Matthew chapter 6. 
No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, the context of this verse that we're looking at right now is indeed money. It's our finances. But the Greek word here that is translated money is actually a little bit it hits a few more things than that because the Greek word for money is mammon. And mammon actually in this original language represents riches, money, possessions, and property. In other words, it represents all of our stuff. And so how does Jesus want to impact all of our stuff? Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we would love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. And do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed by a local church. Because it is here that we met Jesus, and He changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We'd love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. Now let's get back to our program. Because we have a lot of stuff, don't we? We got a lot of stuff. Maybe some of you, in fact, and let me, let me ask you, how many of you, how many of you utilize one of these? How many of you utilize one of these? Well, studies or statistics say that one in 10 Americans have one of these. These are storage units. And over the last 30 years, they have been aggressively growing in development and need in our country because we have a lot of stuff. In fact, there are more storage units than Starbucks, McDonald's, and Chick-fil-A's combined in America. That's how much stuff we have. We have got all kinds of stuff. And that's why TV shows like Hoarders has become so popular because people's homes actually look like this because they have more stuff than they know what to do with. And so how does Jesus want to impact the way we use our stuff, the way that we view our stuff? How does Jesus want to help us avoid the trappings of our stuff? Well, he told a story about this in Matthew chapter 25. It's a story of a master who has a few servants and he entrusts his, his property, his possessions, his stuff to them to manage. And then he goes away and they're responsible for what they're going to do with what it is they have been given. And this is where we're going to pick up in Matthew chapter 25. Again, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. So we're going to come back to that in a moment. His property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money. To the other, he gave two talents. And to another, one talent, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. Now, when you read a parable like this that Jesus tells, there's generally two, two individuals that you always have to identify. God and you. 
because nearly all of his parables have those individuals present in them. So who is God and who are you? And in this parable, the man who owns everything, the master, that is God. The servants are you and I. And so what does Jesus teach us here first? about our possessions, that when we make him the center of our lives. Well, the first thing that he teaches us is this, is that God has entrusted us. So you have things that God has entrusted to you. You know, you don't let, you just don't let anybody have something of yours. You know, whenever you entrust them with something that's valuable to you, then that means that you trust them. That's the whole point of entrusting something. You trust them. And so God trusts you. God trusts me because he has entrusted us with things. But he's entrusted us with him to manage what he owns. And so in other words, God owns it all. We don't own it. God owns it. We're just managers of it. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, the Bible says this, that teaches us this idea, reinforces it at least. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power. Everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. In other words, everything that we have comes from God. He's given it to us to manage. And what we have to catch with that is this, um, is that we have to understand that we, that we are not, uh, you know, we aren't the ones that really own it all. That, that there aren't any U-Hauls that follow behind a hearse. What we have to understand is that we don't want to be ridiculous about it. We don't want to be abrasive about it. You know, I mean, it's not like you can't ever say that you don't own something. I, I'm not going to go that far with this. But the point is, is that in this life, there is seemingly a temporary ownership that we, that we actually have in this life. And that there are some, some trappings of ownership that we need to be aware of. They're what I call extreme ownership, okay? And so, so here's what happens. So, you, uh, so here's what happens is, is like we, we, we own it and we've worked for it and we say it's ours. But the Bible teaches us, no, no, it comes from God. And you're saying, Phil, what are we talking about? I've worked hard. I've labored. I, I've earned this. And, and maybe, maybe, maybe you have. Maybe you've done some things to get those things that you've got. I get that. But what did you do to be born into America? What did you do to be born into the 20th century or 21st century? What, what did you do to have the abilities and the skills that you've got? Because there's some things in you that are innate. Well, you didn't do anything. God, God directed that. God designed that. And sometimes we can get so caught up in the fact that we own it, we earned it, it's ours, we're entitled, that we develop this extreme ownership again. And whenever I talk about extreme ownership, that's what we want to avoid. But we don't want to go so far to the extent of avoiding it that, we're, that if somebody were to say to us, wow, you have a really nice house. You don't want to say back to them, well, it's not my house, it's God's. I mean, that's just kind of weird and abrasive and you just shouldn't go there. I, I get the sentiment, but you just shouldn't go there. Instead, you know, you thank that person for that, but you know in your mind that you're just managing it for this time, that you did this little bit of time, this mist of time, as the book of James tells us, you, that you have on this, on this world. But when we get it wrong, then what happens is, is that there are evil desires and behaviors that follow. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 10 says this, My son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let's lie and wait for someone's blood. Let's waylay some harmless soul. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Now, what is he saying here? He's saying, 
Like if you want to own a lot of stuff and you want to have a lot of things, then you can just go take it from somebody else. You can just take it. And that's not right at all. But when you have an extreme view of ownership, it can cause you to have evil desires and evil behaviors. And that prob- that, that was one of the great examples of this is a man named Matthew McDermott. That a few years back, he was having some money troubles. In fact, things were so bad for him that he went into Wakefield, his, his company in Wakefield, Massachusetts that he worked for, and he began a shooting rampage, killed seven people. And, as he took, and once he took their lives, eventually detectives sorted through his life to figure out what it was that prompted him to go on this rampage. And then there was a headline in Time Magazine that said, money troubles lead to Wakefield rampage. Because he was getting ready to lose his house and earlier that day, what they think, it, what, what the trigger was that pushed him over the edge was at 11.07 on that particular day that he would shoot those coworkers of his. At 11.07, he um, received word that, that a company was gonna come and repossess his car. And that was the thing that pushed him over the edge. Because when you have extreme ownership of, a, of, a, of something, you're gonna have evil desires and behaviors, and that couldn't be more present than in somebody like this gentleman, Matthew McDermott. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. I know it has been to others. I recently received a message from a listener of ours who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. It is encouraging and refreshing to hear biblical-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. This is one of the several notes that I've received from people that are blessed by our program. That is why we want to continue this program on the radio, but that can only happen through the generous contributions of listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website, valleyviewcc.com, and then click on the Give tab there. Once you click on the tab, just designated gift to go to the radio ministry of Hope for the Day. Your gift would be an incredible blessing to this ministry. And as always, we want to meet you personally as well. That is why if you live in the Denver metropolitan area, we want to extend an invitation to you to visit us in person at one of our Sunday services, 9 and 1030 a.m. If you do, please introduce yourself to me, Philip Holland. I'd love to meet you. Now let's get back to the program. Another trapping of extreme ownership is a false sense of security. That, that you think that, you know, if you, have, that you can get enough insurance and, and you can be diversified enough and, and you can um, make sure to pay off enough debt that you can, you can get yourself in a position to where everything is going to be taken care of. As the book of Proverbs says, you have an unscalable wall. This is what Proverbs chapter 19 verse 11, 18 verse 11 says, the wealth of of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it an unscalable wall. And so you can get so diversified, so fully insured that you think there is nothing that can take you down. But you just have to talk to the people who experienced the Great Depression, who have experienced other market crashes since then. The people that um, have been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic, they thought they had an unscalable wall. They thought they were secure, but what they came to find out is that they're not. They weren't. And so the tourism industry has been destroyed through the pandemic. You've got uh, the, the aeronautics industry. Um, you've got flights, uh, the flight industry, these airline companies that, that thought they were so stable. They thought they were so secure. They've come to find out that they weren't. 
because we're all just one tragedy, one disaster away from it. And what extreme ownership causes you to have is, an, is a false sense of security. And another thing that extreme ownership causes you to have is an increased anxiety. I love this verse from Ecclesiastes, chapter five, verse 12. The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. In other words, you can have so much stuff that you're just worrying about it. And it pushes you to the brink of not even being able to sleep. It pushes you to the brink of, of being able to, str- struggling to function um, through, through life. There is a, I heard about a man who went to a furniture store not long ago. And, and when he went to this store, he, um, he purchased a, a mauve, a mauve uh, couch. And, and the, the, the person who sold him this couch saw that he had a few young children and he said, you, you shouldn't buy this couch. You should buy a brown couch that's, that can get dirty and you're not going to get upset about it. And that, this man looked back at the man selling him the furniture and said, no, no, you don't understand. I know how to manage my children. I know how to manage my home. Everything will be fine. And he managed it, all right? So the, the kids and the family got home and immediately rules were put in place to stay away from the mauve, the mauve house, the mauve couch, because no one could sit on it. No one could touch it. No one could even look at it. You couldn't get near it. It was like the, uh, the tree in the Garden of Eden of good and evil. You, that was the one thing in that house that you could have nothing to do with. Everything else was available to you, but you had to stay away from that couch. And as you can imagine, they did for a while, but it wasn't long before a stain popped up on that couch. And I'll tell you what, mama was not happy when that couch got a stain and she made sure that there was vindication for what had happened to that couch. And it was just short of blood. Let's just say that. But man, there was a lot of anxiety around that couch. And that's what happens when you have extreme ownership. And so what we first learn out of this text is the first thing that we learn is this, is that it is his property and we are managing what God owns. And again, I don't want to be so nuanced in this that you're saying, I don't own anything because yeah, we don't have to be like that. You just have this idea that you have it for just a short period of time. The second thing that we learn from the text is this, is that God has entrusted all of us with something different to manage. Let's look again at the text. We've all been given something different to manage. Hang on to that idea. Matthew 25, 16 through 18. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. And the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now we're going to get to what they did with it in a moment. But the thing I want you to see here is that one was given five, one was given two, and one was given one. And often we can, we can function in life like we feel like failures because we look at what other people have. We look at the titles that other people have received. We look at the house that they've got. We look at the trips they go on. We look at the cars that they drive. And we think to ourselves, how have they been, why have I not been able to get to where they are at? How have they been able to get there? And we all think that we start at the same place. And the Bible just tells us that that's not the way life works. That, yes, that's not fair, but you know what? Fair? Man, the world stopped being fair in the Garden of Eden. That when that apple was eaten, sin entered into creation. And once it entered into creation, then fair, fair went away. 
And what we learn here is that God has entrusted us all with something different. And some of you need to grab a hold of that idea because you feel like you're a failure. You feel like you haven't accomplished enough, but maybe you just, maybe you have. Maybe you've accomplished more than you can imagine. Maybe you've gone further than those that you are comparing yourself to, even though they might seemingly have a little more than you. But you're so caught up in where they're at and where you are that you don't realize that. That you don't realize that you've gone so much further than them. And you've got to recognize that ultimately you're accountable to God, not to your emotions. And what God, what God's going to look at you and evaluate and judge and hold you accountable for is what you've been given. And so stop looking at how further, uh, how much further other people have gotten, because maybe they've been the beneficiary of an inheritance. Maybe they've been the beneficiary of a strong family. Maybe they've been the beneficiary of, of just some incredible break that they caught along the, along the way that you have not been able to be uh, benefit from. And so you're trying to get to where they're at, but they are so far ahead of you, it's just not gonna happen. And you just gotta recognize that everybody's been given something different. And what we really need to recognize is this, is that when we compare us in America, and specifically those of you in Douglas County, Colorado who are watching this, is that you, while you may look at a few other people that may have more than you, there are people in the world that are looking at you and they're saying, wow, why can't To learn more about this sermon, sermon series, or other messages, please visit our church's website at valleyviewcc.com. You can also find these radio segments on the Hope for the Day, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Valley View Christian Church is located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. We provide services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. This broadcast is made possible through generous contributions of listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to our church's website and then click on the gift tab there. We look forward to having you join us again next time on Hope for the Day.